Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. We are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find a link to our blog in the episode notes. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode with someone you know. My name is Andy Lipson. I'm a teacher and socialist here in Oakland. And again, we are joined by socialist and community organizer, Kenny Zapeta, and fellow What's Left member, Jessica, school teacher, or sorry, college professor in the Pacific Northwest. And you will see that Eduardo is not here and we expected him to be here today, but looks like he's still in Mexico. Eduardo's return was delayed in Mexico, has been delayed another week. So we expect him back next week. So uh, he is coming back, believe it or not, folks. Um, and when he does come back, it's going to be the four of us for from then on, not just the three of us. Because Jessica, once she got on, refused to leave. Yeah, very stubborn like that. <laughs> well, I'm really glad you're joining us, Jessica. And I'm looking forward to the four of us doing this. Um, so today, actually, uh, another episode brought to you by Kenny. Um, he was talking to me about how the mandates were being lifted in in um, England, right? Or in Great Britain or something, right? Well, COVID restrictions, as far as I know. Okay, right, right, right. That's, yeah. Let's be clear about that. Euphemisms being floated around, I think. Right. And yeah, and a, and a similar trend has been going on around in this country, uh, in the United States, um, you could say in Canada some, to some extent. And so I think we were going to discuss like the extent of that and what do we think it all means? Um, does it mean there, the resistance is, is getting, is pushing back that it, there's, that does it mean the, the plan is receding to some extent, maybe coming on a different front. What do we think it means? So that's what we're going to try to discuss today. Yeah, and um, for, for me, quite honestly, too, it's, I mean, you have to be honest with your theory, right? Like we've been claiming, right, like, like this is about the fourth industrial revolution. This is about uh, digital identity, data extraction, profiteering from, you know, all these social control. And so for me, when I first heard this news in the UK, right, uh, or England specifically, um, I I took a pause and I wondered what was happening. You know, like, is this a new strategy? What are they actually saying? Um, because again, they were doing, they, they, they're taking COVID restrictions back. So basically they're not, um, if you test positive for COVID, you don't have to self-isolate. Uh, and uh, if you listen to the speech given by uh, Boris Johnson, he even talks about um, basically uh, associates it a bit to the flu, you know, and saying that what he's asking for is basically common um, uh, courtesy rules that apply to the flu. Like if you feel sick, like you shouldn't be around people, right? And, uh, and then maybe you should stay home. And by like, they also are talking about uh, stopping testing or funding testing that was a major part of that speech that they were saying that the cost of testing has been massive and that you know there is some debate on that and that you know according to the science uh the um the it's a good time to take the restrictions back omicron hasn't been as deadly according to them and also um Essentially, what I noticed from that speech was that they they were talking about 
uh, focus protection, the Great Barrington Declaration, what was proposed at the beginning of all these by that set of scientists uh, that were actually uh, blacklisted or dismissed and uh, called uh, inhumane in many ways, you know, because they were going to cause massive deaths. And so what the, Johnson is saying that the, the new plan should be about focusing testing and vaccination and treatments on the vulnerable. Um, and that was essentially, to my understanding, what the Great Barrington Declaration was, um, you know, at the beginning of COVID um, was proposing. And so that's why I find it interesting that, you know, there is a switch, uh, but there is also a critique from the left, actually, that about these, um, these uh, steps, you know, um, and uh, as irresponsible and other things that we'll probably get into. Uh, but I guess that's the essence of what's happening. They're lifting mask mandates in some places, even though some majors are deciding to keep some mandates in public transportation, like the fast or the recommendations. They're shifting the language from, you know, requiring it and being punishable by law, or fines or fines, to recommending uh, these uh, uh, mask wearing, for example, and self-isolation. Um, and also they're no longer paying for people to self-isolate because according to them, it's too expensive. And so uh, this is my understanding of what has happened. And so that's where, you know, I brought, brought it up to the group to see what you guys make of it. You know, how does it relate to what we've been discussing here about the fourth industrial revolution, about, um, <clears throat> you know, digital passes like these, because even uh, Boris Johnson said that they're recommending uh, the venues stop using the National Health Services COVID pass. So that was another step that they took. Uh, they're not requiring it, right? But things are shifting from requirement to recommendations. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to keep up with so many different countries and regions and states and stuff. But I do think, I mean, it seems like where I am, there is going to be some lifting. It hasn't happened yet, but they're saying late March. I think, I mean, I, I do feel it's important to say, you know, a lot of us have very rightly so grown like very jaded over the past two years. And I, I hear a lot of people, you know, kind of in our, our movement saying like, this doesn't mean anything. Like, everything's still going to go right ahead. And to a large degree, I, I agree. I think a lot of the stuff like the, the fourth industrial revolution stuff, like you mentioned, Kenny is continuing to go full steam ahead. I mean, yeah. Okay. There's some, some lifting of vaccine mandates, mask mandates, right. But AI is going forward. Blockchain's going forward social impact investing is going forward, 5G, all of it, right? Like a lot of this stuff we talked about with Allison last week. Um, but I do I do think it's important just to acknowledge that, you know, say a uh, mask mandate being lifted in a school <laughs> for whatever reason is a good thing. It may be a small victory in the grand scheme of things, but you know, I, I think it's okay to like celebrate that. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm very skeptical 
uh, especially, you know, here in the United States, it sounds like state mandates are going to be lifted, at least for the time being. But that doesn't mean that, you know, institutions, uh, schools, healthcare facilities can't implement these restrictions themselves. And based on everything we've seen the last two years, I, especially in, you know, uh, large urban liberal centers, I fully expect that they will, not only that they will, but that it will be applauded, you know, and that even, you know, even in places maybe where masks are not uh, required anymore, at least for the time being, that it will be applauded to sort of like do it anyway. I think in a lot of contexts, uh, I'll be really interested to see like you know, faculty, for instance, at my institution, kind of what their response is if if it does get lifted in a month or so. Um, but the infrastructure's all there now. Uh, Biden extended the state of emergency this week for another year. I <laughs> I, I fear, you know, that at any point they can just snap right back into it um, with COVID or, you know, it'll be another crisis. But yeah, I mean, I definitely don't feel like jumping up and down (laughs) celebrating um, just because I think they've been so successful in in laying out the infrastructure. Um, And also just like, we know now that a significant portion of the population like in the u.s and populations in the west at large are more than willing to um you know it's clear that they're that they're utterly captured that they're utterly willing to submit to and celebrate their own subjugation at any time um and that's a really disturbing uh fact you know um, yeah, I'll stop there. What I think Kenny was t- mentioning when he mentioned the left response to this, not the what's left response, the left, this crazy left that has been in favor of lockdowns and vaccinations and mass vaccinations and masking and all that kind of stuff. My understanding of much of the left's response to the state lifting up some of these uh, measures has been, they're trying to kill us. What are you doing? Like you got to put these, you got to keep these in place. Okay. So that's nuts. And, and I think the question then comes, you know, what's what you said, Jessica, like, well, should we, is that, is this some, is the stat, is the state lifting these something to celebrate? Um, I'm not so sure. Uh, And well, rather, here's what I think is going on. But first I want to talk about California because, um, uh, there was an article in the San Francisco Chronicle. What day was it? It was middle of February, you know, about a week ago. California adopts nation's first endemic virus policy. And they're basically, and California is basically looking at this endemic policy as sort of a uh, plan for the rest of the country. But we're going to start first, right? Because we're such a model state. Um and as it relates to pushing COVID stuff, we are. New York State and California State are. And what does it mean? Well, you know, it does mean that mask mandates come up in the middle of the month or something like that. Uh, lifting the state's indoor masking requirements um, 
or an announcement coming in February. So that should that should have happened already, right? Wednesday, they were going to do it wet this Wednesday. That's today. Actually, they're going to lift the state's indoor masking requirements today. Um, an announcement coming February 28th uh, of when precisely school children can stop wearing face coverings. All right. Um, and um, the plan, though, uh, the way they're talking about it, let's see, the milestone nearly two years in the making, the milestone being this, this endemic plan, um, envisions a return to a more normal existence with the help of a variety of initiatives and billions in new spending to more quickly spot surges of variants, add healthcare workers, stockpile tests, and push back against false claims and other misinformation. Um, the plan is officially called an acronym SMARTER. Let me see if I can get that. Um, S-M-A-R-T-E-R. Okay. The letter stands for shots, masks, awareness, readiness, testing, education, and RX, a reference to improved treatments for COVID-19. So that's the plan. And so clearly, they're not talking about this stuff going away, um, even as they lift it. And I, so I will say that when the Canadian truckers were occupying Ottawa and the, there was a person in one of the Ottawan politicians who had come out hard and saying, we're going to keep masking. We're going to keep doing all this stuff. Like a week later, just literally was saying the opposite, you know, um, that's one thing, you know, in, in response to, to, to resistance, this, what I see happening I don't see it as in response to resistance. Of course, there is resistance. There is. But what I see it as is training your dog. And when you train your dog, you don't keep it on a leash and keep and you don't keep the leash tight the whole time. You you hold the leash. You get it to do what it does. You put the you, you put the treats where you want to put the treats and you put the lash where you want to do the lash and you keep them tight and you train them to do what they do. But at some point, you do want to get them off the leash and see if they run beyond where you told them, you want to see how, how they behave. So that's what I see happening here. This is the ruling class essentially seeing how much, I mean, and also to maintain the narrative, the fiction that this is all related to health requirements. Okay, we'll lift some of this stuff. They already know that a section of the population is going to go with this section of the business are going to still impose it. And then now they get to see what did all this training produce? And they get to see what all this training produced in the context of a much sicker, I would believe, a much sicker population who is going to be more vulnerable to future whatevers, largely because I personally, well, not largely, another reason they're going to be sick is because of these goddamn shots and boosters and, and the shots that keep coming. Um, so I will say that California is still talking that a lot of the, you know, we, we have legislation still saying everyone's got to be vaccinated, particularly the employees. Uh, school teachers and private and public employees of all sorts here in California. Um, this isn't just about shots. This isn't just about mandates. And it does it is meaningful for them to say, hey, we're releasing a, a digital plan like they are in Britain. But, but I think what they've been counting on are businesses putting together their own plan of how they're going to monitor their employees and how they're going to monitor their customers. Um, and just like just like we talked about public-private partnerships, just like we talk about fa fascism as being the fusion of the state and corporations, I think the U.S. state is going to re relent a little bit and allow corporate America to, like, you know, do do some of the work um, for them. 
and corporate America with the with the support of the of liberals, with the support of a lot of the population that has unfortunately fallen for the fear, at least in this country. Um, so I don't look at this. I don't look. I don't actually welcome what's happening right now because I unfortunately feel like it's just another training. It's another training for us of we we have to go back into our holes when the state tells us to go back in the holes, and we can come out of our holes when the state tells us it's safe to come out of our holes. That is not a good situation, and um, I I fear that there's a that while I don't want to wear a mask. And, and if it makes it less likely that I wear a mask, personally, I'll probably be like, okay, that's a little easier. But the noose is still around our neck. And it's actually, I would say it's still, it's, it's still being crafted so that it can, can really be tightened whenever they need to. And to that point, um, again, just going back a little bit to the UK, right? And Boris Johnson, because he's like the first, the first like nation, right? Major nation that makes this statement um he within his speech he actually makes it clear covid is not over or the pandemic is not over uh and we're keeping our scientists uh at the ready for future variants that could be worst and they don't specify worst right they just like by worst they mean infections because that right like the narrative changed from being deadly 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 to infections and like in that way, they they did give us some leash, right, for us to uh, be afraid ourselves and enforce it ourselves. And to that point that you were saying, Lipson, um, I've experienced that personally. Like on my pers current job, like the the business owners have always gone further than the even the the CDC or the city uh, uh, beyond their, their uh, recommendations or policies, you know. Uh, and so in terms of uh, how much social distancing we need to happen, how, when we take our mask off, you know, like the, the mask mandate was lifted like last week for us, we're still wearing a mask because that's the, um, our uh, bosses always uh, go two weeks behind whatever the city because they wanna keep an eye on the numbers and stuff to make sure that, this, that the CDC or the public officials are correct. So there is a level of mistrust, not in like opposing them, but in that they're not doing a good enough job in protecting us. That's the narrative that I think has been unleashed and that a lot of people that are um, kind of psychotic about this are, are, are um, pushing. And, and like, again, like this, that's what happens in my job. We're always um, taking measures that are just beyond any logical, even within the narrative that they've constructed, they, they go beyond any logical sense, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, like even in this city, I was talking to you before the show that in San Francisco, it's not, there is no real enforcement. There is no real like fines or this or that that I've heard of about in the industry, in the restaurant industry that I work uh, at. Uh, bars have been packed, you know, in so many uh, situations and, the, the the people enforcing this are the businesses, you know, like just like you said, uh, and um, the that dictatorship that we talk about, right? They're the ones who make the decision, not the workers, you know. And even though the workers themselves uh, feel some sort of protection by these policies that go beyond, that ask for 
uh, uh, vaccination for indoors, even though like Omicron should have put a hole into that theory, but it, there is no logic to that. And so again, the fear has been unleashed, the fear of being punished, right, in some ways, or being uh, like not being able to fend for ourselves, right, without the protection of our captors. Uh, and so that's why I like the analogy that, that you say. And, and, and but that's the magic of this moment. Is that really, there's no real enforcement. It's just the narrative has, has been constructed to imprison us. And, 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 and you can't question that because, like you said, Lipson, the left, uh, whatever that is, they themselves are asking for it. Like I was reading the World Socialist website. Uh, comment in response to uh, Boris Johnson, and I want to read the first paragraph. This is in January 20th. They had already announced that they were going to lift them in all restrictions by this time, whatever. <clears throat> this is the very first paragraph of uh, uh, an article called uh, UK Johnson's Ending the of COVID Restrictions Backed by Labour Party in Trade Unions. And this is the first paragraph. The announcement ending all COVID restrictions is the most nakedly criminal action carried out by the conservative government since the beginning of the pandemic. So, you know, they, they're calling, pulling the restrictions, like, uh, you know, the, the thing that also has destroyed many lives, right, of many people, has created many difficulties in so many levels. Even within their narrative, again, after the wave of Omicron, right, like that, you know, where are the dead bodies? Even after all that, they're calling this a, a criminal act, you know, you know, and, and so they're calling for us to stay in that world for whenever. They even scoff at, at, at the idea of herd immunity. So, so what is the plan then? To perpetually live in this, you know, condition, you know, in this leash? So they're asking for the leash to stay tight. You know, like, like you said, and, and so it's just insane. You know, these are the people that are supposed to be questioning. And then they go on to cite, you know, the number of deaths. 135 children have died, they said. You know, and, and, and you know, 175,000 people, I think, in the UK, even though there was actually a Freedom of Information Act that came out reporting that the deaths have been grossly overstated in the UK. You know, and, and so they don't look at this. They're just trying to, again, play the partisan side and, and, and asking for, uh, again, the the people we're supposed to be fighting to rule us, govern us, decide for us. And, and so it's just insane. And even today I went to Ikea actually with my family in California, right? And um, they changed their policy, right? They, it now says that fully vaccinated individuals can't take their mask off. It is recommended that they wear it. There's no one enforcing it, but 97% of people were wearing a fucking mask. My brother was the first one to take it off. Even I hesitated. You know, like that, they've gotten into my head that way. It's like, because I'm afraid of being, and that looked that weird, right? Like, uh, because, uh, you know, I'm defying everyone else. So what do they feel, right? Like I'm being watched. So even I fucking hesitated that I'm fighting this shit, right? Like, and I know like to a degree with the lies and what, you know, the contradictions. And so, They've, they've already unleashed the virus. The virus is not, is not, you know, COVID is not a pulmonary shit. It, it's in our brains, you know? And so that's my point for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, where I am, like I went to the gym 
the other day and I think it was the first time people are pretty lax and the gym is probably the place where it's the most lax in terms of mask wearing and mask enforcement. Um, but it was the first time I'd gone and it was pretty busy and there, I don't think there was a single person wearing a mask, even though we still have a mask mandate in place. And a lot of times people will be wearing them, but they wear them on their chins or like on their wrist or whatever. But pretty much everyone had like no mask on anywhere, um, even improperly. Um, And I know like several of the local businesses here where workers have kind of lackadaisically been wearing masks because it's technically required uh, like I went to get coffee the other day and um, the barista mentioned that they don't have to wear masks anymore. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, I'm so happy for you. Um, like, is that because of the state lifting? And she was like, yeah, well, it's not it's not technically supposed to happen till March 31st. But our boss said, like, because they've already announced that it's happening, like, just go for it. Um So it's just like, I mean, it's just such a contrast from San Francisco and definitely such a contrast from um, Seattle. But I also wanted to share, so my friend sent me uh, an article. She's in Seattle and her children have been having to mask in school like this whole time. Um, And this is the polar opposite, like exactly what you were describing, Kenny, except in a school setting of like, you know, people just begging for above and beyond what's even being asked for. So um, I guess students in Seattle, um, this is in the Mercer area, I think, have formed a Seattle student union. Um, And so one of the students was interviewed uh, and he said, right now it does not make any sense to lift the mask mandate said Miles Hagapian, a seventh grader at Mercer International Middle School. Another variant could pop up and we should try as hard as we can to limit the spread, especially at schools where you have so many different kids in one place. Miles, who is a member of the Seattle Student Union, a group of Seattle students leading organizing efforts, said he wouldn't feel safe in crowded hallways without masks. Students are currently planning to take action if Seattle schools chooses not to extend mask wearing in schools. This will especially affect BIPOC students just because of access to vaccines and N95 masks, as we have already seen that Hagopian referring to Black, Indigenous, and people of color. So I fear, especially in the education space, that this is what a lot of us are going to be encountering. Like, I think we've talked about it, and Andy, maybe you brought it up last week or the week before about you know, students like demanding it, teachers demanding it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm very worried, like not so much for where I am at my institution. I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do lift it like in line with like the county and the state. But I think in, you know, large, large cities on the coasts, there's going to be a lot of pressure like from students themselves seventh graders i mean ah well i want to say something about that that this might be so i think his name is pronounced hagopian and i think yeah he, i have no idea how it's pronounced i think he's the son of jesse hagopian and i think he jesse, is, yeah. yes and jesse hagopian is a former member of the iso he was a major guy in the iso a teacher person of color 
And I know, I, I don't have to, like, I know which, what his line is. His line is World Socialist website line. And I'm not going to say that Miles Agopian, but basically what you can see there is the effect of the revolutionary left on people and on the movement, like literally directly, okay? From Jesse Agopian to Miles Agopian to the news to spreading the idea that all these students don't want to do masks. Now, of course, we know that there are parents and students. And in fact, I saw a 36-second clip of young kids who are being told, we're not going to wear masks tomorrow. And they're all jumping up and down, right? Yeah. You know, we see that as well. And look, it's it's a mix. It depends where you are. But until until there is a collective fight, I'm not going to know what to make of what's actually in the United States other than a grab bag of opposition and support. And I think I happen to be centered in Seattle as a center, San Francisco as a center. I think Oakland is a center, California, by and large, the urban centers are centers of, of uh, not just um, capitulation to state control, but begging and in fact, insisting on more state control by our rulers and led by the revolutionary left and the liberal left and the establishment left in those, in those regions or led meaning they, they cheer on that kind of crap. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing comes to mind is, um, so as, if I understand it right, some of these mask liftings are, if you're vaccinated, you can, you can take off your mask. Right. Are they like, is that specified? Cause I, you go ahead, Kenny, I'm not shy. At least to my understanding in San Francisco, from what I saw in Ikea, from uh, what I hear at work, it is uh, that contingency. And so, in, but there is, again, no real enforcement. It's, it's based on like shaming. Yes, but the very statement of that without any opposition is a, is, is a, is a, is a defeat for us. Because if you, if you accept it, but don't fight it, if you will, then you accept that okay, well, I'm not vaccinated, I'm not vac or I'm not vaccinated, can I wear my mask? You, these sorts of questions. And then it opens up the state when they, when they want to, to come in and say, well, there's an outbreak happening. Are, are you doing masking properly? Like, are, have you checked all your unvaccinated people to see if they're, if they're wearing a mask compared? Like it just, it, by accepting that whole thing, it, and it creates in places where there is complete mind fuckery and everyone's lost their mind, it creates a situation that jobs are basically like, well, you're not vaxxed, so you should wear a mask and you are vaxxed, so you shouldn't. It creates that sort of visual divide. Um, so it does all sorts of wonderful things for the ruling class that allows them to visualize in real time what their situation is. Not just visualize how much obedience we have, but literally visualize the, the, the compliance with the, with the vaccination, even without their QR code. Um, because look, this is going to come down to facial recognition software coming down to the things that basic, I mean, this is what's, it's all coming. So they are going to have, you know, at a later date, a situation where they can actually enforce, sorry, you're not vaccinated. We scanned your face. We see that you're, that you're walking into this place without it. There's, you know, you get a bump, you get a hit, social credit score lowered or, or alarm goes off or some buzzer goes off. So this is all the future. I mean, and, they're not even going to need to do that yet. Like people who are like following the rules, if you're unvaxxed and that's visible by you're wearing a mask, like you're automatically going to be a pariah. Right. But I mean, if, but if you're not wearing a mask, right. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. you, and oh, uh, yeah. 
So all that stuff. But yes, and and then I want to bring up the situation in my own school. My own school, which my administration does not support, as far as I can tell, vaccinations and the testing and da da da. So our staff, which is you know, they met some of them, the ones who were the most <laughs> were biggest of the mass were like asking when the thing lifts, are we going to not have to wear masks? Because if you're vaccinated, if you're vaccinated, you shouldn't have to wear a mask. And our administration's answer was no, everyone's going to wear a mask. Now, do I know why they gave that answer? But I don't. Um, but I have a suspicion that they're worried about not just the divide within the employees, but the divide within students. So their their default is to basically be like, we're just all going to wear our masks, and I get, I actually get it, you know. But in reality, we're all having to wear masks because these motherfucking unvaccinated people aren't with the program. I could I could breathe properly, you know what I'm saying? Like, so again, and I actually think my administration might be doing the right thing in this regard to try to, but I don't like it. I actually. I, at this point, prefer to be like, let's all just put it on there. Like, I'll wear this goddamn thing that says, I don't, I'm unvaxxed or whatever, you know, and, and go in there and, and do that. Um, and, and even deal with it student-wise. I'm not going to say that's a solution, but part of me just says, let's, let's be done with this nonsense and pretend. Um, so I just think there's lots of hidden landmines in all of this that are really, that benefit the state benefit their, 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 their web of control that they are both trying to build and assess. And all of this is going to allow them to know, can they, can they take them? Are they ready to take those next steps? Um, so that's what I see. And I, for me, I have no doubt that any of these retreats, so, so-called retreats are part, are, are very much part of building the fourth industrial revolution that they are going forward into. Just on I feel like we're maybe fixated on the mask stuff, but um, just another example of an indication that this is not temporary. So I don't know if this is happening in California, but in Oregon, even as the past few weeks or months, they've started to indicate that they are going to lift the statewide mask mandate. They have at the same time moved to legislate permanent required masking um i think i think just in schools and healthcare facilities and i think uh it might also be vaccine mandates i'd have to double check that um at least for workers um and so though like that you know they're saying uh it's permanent but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's forever right but they just want the ability um you know to not have to put through like another set of temporary emergency orders like they just want it and I think it's actually part of the reasoning is it is it's actually illegal to file like the same uh temporary rule or like a temporary rule that uses the same language um like you can't just keep extending it forever and so they've they've gone ahead you know and it's I mean nobody voted like nobody gets to vote on this stuff so it's like they're lifting it at the same time as telling us oh, no, it's actually going to be permanent. Um, you know, like you said, Andy, you're our dog. Like, yeah. you can go off leash now, but we have the right to put you back on whenever we want. And can I add two things, Kenny? Um, number one, 
safe. So I'll go with a safe way. I'll go in without my mask. Then a guard might ask, Hey, you, you were, you know, you're not wearing your mask. I said, yes, I'm not wearing my mask. And they, the guard might, or even an employee might say, sir, are you vaccinated? Right. Right. So my answer is none of your business. And they, that might be enough. Right. But that very exchange creates the, the, the situation for that employee to say, you know what? I don't want to be having to ask everyone. We need to, we need to have a, a code at the front that lets us know who's in and who's out as it relates to mask and who's mask. So the whole thing is built towards begins to, in my mind, begins to build support for the QR code so that the employee doesn't have to have that messy or even the, the facial recognition that, that sorts it out for us. Um, and so that's, that's number one. Number two, the elections. Um, elections are coming in November. Democrats are looking in a horrible situation, the establishment. Um, and I can imagine that they would want to lift up a little bit to seem reasonable, to give themselves a, a possible chance of recovering in November. Just, at, just in time for the, the next fall season, which is going to be the next flu season, so they can just bring the hammer down after that. So that's another thing I think about. Yeah, I think booster four or shot four will be fall. Like I think it'll be pushed really hard for fall. Mm. I also, again, just stemming from um, having listened to Boris Johnson, that's who I'm picking on today, um, <laughs> that, you know, basically uh, alluding at, you know, but we're ready, you know, saying we're going to be ready for the next one, you know, for the next one that could be worst. And, um, and also just the fact that, I mean, I also wonder, you know, is there a new vaccine, right, for the new variants coming up? And therefore, like, okay, it doesn't matter if you had the old one, you know, you need the new vaccine in order to protect yourself again, you know, we're to back to square one in some way. And that's one, you know, I'm worried about. Uh, because uh, I don't know, like, I'm curious as to what you two think about, you know, like, whether Omicron has um, kind of uh, weakened the arguments over boosters, because I do think the booster uptake has been slowed down in the, has slowed down in the U.S. Um, and so that's why I find, you know, if they want to push this narrative, the need for a new vaccine, right? to continue to get people to stay on these systems. You know, obviously the fear and all that is beneficial and just the fact that we're policing each other and, and you know, we're policing ourselves. Uh, but again, like, I'm curious as to if you think that is a possibility or uh, has, what do you make of the slower, the slowing down of the booster, um, you know, uptake in the US? Well, it's funny that you say, uh a new vaccine because I just saw in the New York Times today um, a new two-dose COVID vaccine showed, wait for it, a hundred percent efficacy <laughs> against severe disease and maybe an effective booster for other shots. The vaccine was made by European companies, Sanofi and GSK, is that Glasgow? Um GlaxoSmithKline, mm -hmm. um, and this is a conventional inoculation, so it's not mRNA, uh, which is kind of interesting. So I don't know how quickly that will go through and get authorized, or or even if it will. But I mean, they're already talking about it, and I wonder if 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much of the resistance to uh, the booster and just the shots in general is like particular to the mRNA technology. Like that is part of what makes it seem so experimental. Um, so maybe they think they'll have more luck with a quote unquote conventional one. Yeah, I'm. I think there has been there there there's the the thirty five percent of the country which still has not gotten the first shot. If I if I'm understanding right, um, and then I do think of that sixty five percent who got the shot, maybe thirty to thirty five or forty percent of those people got boosted, um, and that was with the that really came from the Omicron push. Like the Omicron push was part of of getting the booster thing going. And it just, I do agree with you, Kenny, that it didn't quite materialize in the terrifying way that might've led to more and more people getting more and more of those shots. But um, the mandates are here. They're going to do mandates. They, they, they're doing them at the college level. Um, they're going to carry on with that at the college level. They're going to carry on with doing young people and getting them, putting those shots into the to young people for schools. And so we are aged out of this. Like this is not for us. We, we have already been factored out of the future. So if we do it or don't do it, not that they don't care at all, but it's about the future and these future generations getting themselves used to some sort of train um, and training. And so that I think is, is well on its way. Um, and I do think there's going to be there's going to be another round. There's going to be future rounds of sickness and future rounds of the pharmaceutical industry and the state saying we have a solution to your sickness here. And some of it's going to take the form of much of it. I do think is going to take the form of vaccinations. I think a lot of it's going to take the form of experimental things. Um, but uh, I'm not. I am not optimistic. Um, I mean, the fact that people aren't getting boosted. It's not. That's not enough for me. I. I mean, I. I am. I feel like we need to have a, a movement that is refusing to carry on in this way and is looking to stop this. And we don't have that. And so um, that's what, to me, the thing that I'm looking to, to be part of and to look to see to, if we can build. Not just people who kind of passively opt out or find a way around it, and the state allows it for a time, because that's the more time we give them they will come up with something else and something else will insert itself where they'll just, they'll just get another push and get us uh, through the hole that we're, we refuse to go through. I also um, find it interesting that um, at least the narrative out of the UK um, is that this thing has been costly, right? For the first time they're looking at cost in, um, in, you know, never in, because again, from the at least from the left, there is a complete like lack of understanding of the uh, financial aspects of it, right? Like uh, we've talked about Fabio Vigi. I've been listening to his stuff, reading his stuff, and he makes an argument of right of why the the world has had to be uh, brought to a standstill, right? Like the lockdowns, mm -hmm. and he makes an association to um, you know to uh, he makes a connection to uh, the financial uh, issues happening in 2019, re repo market issues, potentially, 
creating some massive economic event, you know, worldwide. Uh, people also think forget that Brexit was a thing, right? Uh, before COVID, uh, it was a massive thing, um, and that was going to cost a lot of money and stuff. And so, in this process, like one thing that has been completely lost, I think, is that from the left, from the people that are supposed to have a, a, an analysis of what's happening, is that there has been a massive funneling of money <laughs> into markets. So that if I find it funny and like bold that, you know, this leader, right, of the United Kingdom comes and says that this is about cost in a, you know, in a big part. When in fact, you know, like there's been a lot of money spent funneled into assuring the markets, you know, if you really look into, you know, where, where the money has been gone, like if people are actually listening, that's why it's a little infuriating and scary, right? Like people on the left, there, there's no attention to this. You know, there's no attention to the fact that uh, billionaires have doubled their wealth in during this period, right? The, the argument still goes that this is capitalism just trying to kill people. You know, it, it's that superficial analysis. I, I guess that's what I'm bringing attention to. That um, that's why, you know, yes, of course, so the mandates and the lack of resistance to that. It's just that there is like little to no voices like in, in, in challenging it in a big way. You know, there is no traction to any of those arguments. There is no uh, other argument beyond they're trying to kill people. Capitalism kills people. And, and that, that's all there is to, you know, to challenge this system. And that's why we end up with those narratives, right? Like uh, teachers saying, um, this, is a, uh, this is about safe conditions. Right? Like, like they're going to battle with uh, people who want to withdraw these restrictions. They're going to battle because, again, it's just about safety. And that's why it's so scary. How do we come out of this? I, I don't know how to shift that conversation, right? To, from, you know, because like, even like the, like the death toll is not challenged, right? We know that there is evidence, there's hard evidence in the UK that the death toll was overstated, right? And it's in, in the US too, but there is no questioning of that. Because for me, that is like the, the big bang, right? Like that's like what really like um, fundamentally holds this shit together. The fact that they claim that so many people have died, you know, and, 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 and that doesn't get challenged at all. Like, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Um, if that is a possible way, you know, to, to kind of get people or more people out of this spell, you know, and, and if that if it's at all possible, because I just don't see at this point, like, how do, you know, how else can you, you know, rationalize anything uh, if, if people are still scared to die from this? Well, I think it's interesting you bring up the expense issue um, that Boris Johnson, I didn't listen. I've been just followed this, what Gavin Gavin Newsom is talking about sparing no expense for this smarter plan. Like, so they're not talking about it being too expensive and it isn't too expensive. It's cheap for them. What it's allowed them to do in terms of shove money into the economy and force it up towards the, the wealthiest capitalists and allow them to amass themselves, smash middle-class businesses. And again, big companies can build, buy all that. What they were able to do um, and have a have, they were able to have a capitalist crisis out of which the the biggest capitalist could survive in 2020 and beyond, and we don't even call it a crisis of capitalism, just like they did in 2008. Like we at least know that in 2008 there was a economic crisis, 
We don't know that happened. This is like invisible. It's like we got to they, they got to have a free crisis, a free war on the working class out of which that's how you recover from a crisis. You must make war on the working class to recover profitability and then move on to the next you know, cycle. So that was like a bonanza for them. So they, they were, there's no cost for them. And I, I, I certainly know that's true for the U.S. ruling class. I wonder on the European ruling class, because I don't think, I sometimes wonder how much they're caught in the game of, in my opinion, of this notion of big player like the U.S. and China who I think are really running the show in terms of forcing a global dynamic in play, in my opinion, because they're it's a competition for data collection and building AI and things like that. That's my opinion. So that's number one. Um, so the other thing I would say is let's remember that in the context of this relieving, relieving of like, oh, mask and this, the Department of Homeland Security just came out with like, if you say anything bad about COVID, your malinformation, misinformation, disinformation, terrorism. Like they're literally pushing forward on an attack on people challenging a net. So there's no really like the state is strengthening itself and actually positioning itself for a tighter grip in the context of quote, relieving itself. So I, I think that I don't think we, for me, first of all, I don't know how to reach people who are like, got their minds over there. But all I can say is I attempt to say that the that if you're if you're scared of covid then you're not paying attention to the real enemy and the real thing that's coming after you, which is the state. And that really that really is the debate actually that exists, which is the debate for people is like which what should we fear? This virus or the institutions that are telling us about this virus. And in my opinion, you know, that's why, that's what they've been able, this is how they've been able to make it all a right-wing thing. The right has been more clear, at least, about the, the problems of the state. as it don't take my guns, don't try to tell me what to do, and things like that. And the left has been way weak on that shit. And so if you oppose the state right now, you are thou synonymous with the right wing, you are synonymous with white supremacy, you are synonymous with fascism. Um, and this is the and January six people who want to like insurrect and who sh and who and who brought that insurrection to Ottawa. And thank God, Trudeau, you know, try to freeze their bank accounts and get them out of Ottawa. And oh, isn't he so nice for lifting that now? So I would say all this, you know, smashing and lifting. It's just this. I mean, I don't know. I just you, I think you get my point. Yeah, I mean, just the past few days or over the weekend right I mean they came down hard on those people in Ottawa um I guess it's going to be interesting to see I know there's a few convoys organizing or attempting to organize in the U.S. um I don't know I've heard some mixed things about the leadership there and what's happening but I mean just in terms of threat from the state I mean, we have like the most militarized police in the world. Like it's terrifying. And like you said, Andy, they've all the infrastructure, all the legislation is already there to persecute whoever they want to persecute. And you won't even have to like be at a protest. Like you could just post something on Facebook. Right. I mean, that's already starting to happen to a degree. Um, 
I know like Whitney Webb's written a lot about, you know, like pre-crime and um, especially related to like your digital presence. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's really, really disturbing on the money thing. I mean, yeah, it's just shocking to me how many people, especially people who are not part of the ruling class, like are still unwilling to admit that it's class warfare. I don't know. Like you say that in, in some iteration and the conversation just, it just shuts down. Like they just don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, the propaganda is so blatant. The numbers are so absurd. I don't know how people can't see it at this point, but yeah, I mean, we saw like the largest transfer of wealth in modern history happen. And yeah, they're dropping a few mandates for now, but are they going to give that money back? Like to the small businesses that were crushed, you know, to the families who lost kids, to overdoses, depression, whatever, suicide. I mean, <laughs> like we're just going to let it slide. Like, oh yeah, well that was, that was COVID, right? A lot of people suffered, but people, people died, people died. So we had to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just wild. Um, that's why it's so interesting. Like my job, my boss, he, um, he like our, is, the business might close, you know, at some point, cause it's not good. It's a small business by no means, um, you know, it's ca highly capitalized. It's a very small business. Um, and so he said this like the other day um, that if our business closes, I will forever be thankful for the PPP loan loans. You know, and, and, and you know, you know, they 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 kept us afloat a little longer. And so, you know, that's the level of fucked up, you know, that people are in their in the mind, right? Like. The inability to see that your business was literally crushed in favor of these fuckers who actually got most of the money, right? That that, that you're thanking them for, mm -hmm. you know. And, and and so, and then he's also the person that executes the most policing uh, of COVID protocols and, and stuff, you know. In 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 his own life, like he doesn't socialize. He's so crazy about this stuff you know uh in paranoid and so it's just again that's what i asked earlier how, do, how does this like there is no, no no making sense of anything for people like for people who are stuck in that narrative you know of of being allowed to take your mask off or being allowed to go places you know being allowed to see your family members you know, uh, it, 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 that's why I, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm at this point, it's like, because I know that just as a small, a small group can do shit. It has to grow. There has to be more people making sense of things, you know, like we can't create, resist, whatever, but they will come after us. We've, we've talked about that in another episode. They will crush small resistance. You know, this has to be rich critical mass. You know, the, the, you know, the, the whatever convoy is coming, they already had the National Guard in Washington. You know, uh, they, they do that. That's the world we live in. Right. Like, uh, remember, like 
that's what Fabio Vigi talks about, like the ending of the liberal democracy, you know, that we're going back to like a feudal order, you know, where it's a, a rule by force, you know, and and just bow down to your lords, you know, who and 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 look at, at the at the masses of landless peasants. That's who I am. I can't afford a house here. I'm a fucking restaurant manager. I should have been able to afford my, my own place. I can't. I can never. I constantly talk to my partner, you know, about it. We can never afford a house. You know, we're two working adults with decent jobs, and you know, that's the condition we're in. And then we're thanking the people who are subjugating us, you know, who are robbing the house, you know, blind and and and, and laughing in our face. And, and and you know, there is no and then again we have people who are getting crushed thanking them, like the, my 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 boss. And, you know, and, and also, like, I remember at the time they were giving the PPE loans and the conversations were happening. It's like, no, but, you know, basically making the argument, no, they have to really, like, support the job creators, the big corporations. I mean, there is no logic. And, again, this person it has, like, a master's in fucking philosophy. You know, never a good sign. What's that? I said that's never a good sign. Yeah. I didn't know, I guess I'm finding out, but <laughs> it's just, but in general, it's just, you know, and I, and I think back at like my, my friends who are in science, you know, like a person who is um, a biologist who works in, in like making drugs, genetics shit. And he, like, I, I, I have the evidence that the bullshit articles that he sent me, there were the studies proving his point, you know, like the, the Oxford study proven, you know, bullshit, the, the, uh, this study proving that um, you know uh, natural immunity is not as good as as the vaccine. You know these are fucking people trained in science, right? And here is a fucking dropout, college dropout, you know, challenging that that narrative. Of course, I'm the idiot, right? I am the idiot. My mom is the idiot. My mom who talks about the rebranding of of the flu. You know, like that's what she says. This is like this is essentially the flu. And my mom talks about how our, my grandpa died from the flu. No, but my mom is the idiot. My mom is the conspiration of theories. And, and you know, and like, again, like the, the entire system, the, the people that are validated the most, right? Because they have a college degree or, or work in some industry, they are the ones pushing all this madness. And how do you challenge their authority? You know, it, it's just, I, I don't know, I'm just ranting. It's just, it's just looking back, it's just so insane. And, and I, I'm just crazy screaming, and, and you know, and like, there's at this point, I, I don't even talk about the vaccine. I, I'm done. Like, either you see it or you don't. Like, I don't. Like, I'm I'm shifting my arguments to like the economic the economics of all this crap, because if you don't see what's happened, you know, these are the arguments. There is evidence for that. You know, the you know, I guess you know, this whole vaccine thing, whatever, debatable, and the data is really like held by you know fucking Pfizer who doesn't want to release it for 70 years and no one questioned that shit but again I'm talking about the economy look at it. you've been robbed we've been robbed like no don't don't thank them fuck them like they gave you crumbs in order to take the whole goddamn cake and, and, you know and so that's why I'm like wondering like how like how else do we try to reach anybody because again I, I just I don't know. Like I just, I'm beat. I, I can't. Like I, I, I just don't have any more arguments to make with anybody who doesn't want to listen. And I feel like now there's just clans. You know, you're with one or the other. There's like we're back to the right wing, left wing bullshit. 
top versus bottom. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of these people too, like they kind of think of themselves as passive to a degree, but I just find it increasingly difficult to uh, extend patience. Like it's been two years. It's like you, you're either show solidarity with the working class, with the people, or you don't. Like you have to make a choice. <laughs> And it seems like a lot of these people, they've, they've made that choice, but they don't, they don't recognize it. Like they don't see it that way. Um, but I mean, where's, where's your fucking solidarity? Like, I just want to shake people still. Um, especially as they scream about like equity and all of this to the sky. I think solidarity is in the vaccine to them. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's my thing because that's why I'm trying to bring it back to like, the fundamental arguments about capitalism. Do we understand, you know, what it does, what is it, what, what it does, what, what, how it evolves, you know, it's, it's evolutionary process, it's limitations, right? It's contradictions in how those things are playing out and why do they need to do this stuff? Like, like I, I don't come from a moralistic standpoint necessarily, like uh, obviously like respect life, whatever, but it's just that they just have to do this at, at this point. Like th this is not a, just for being evil for being evil. There is an economic argument as to why they have to do this. Isn't you know? And so that's where I'm trying to bring it back to. There is no other way for them because they've reached them. You know, like the limits of, of their system as as it's been running. So it has to evolve. And, the, and we're in that process of evolution, the fourth industrial revolution. Well, um, I think the question you asked about, well, how are we going to make headway on this? Or how do you deal with this wall, this brick wall of unreason and, and arrogance and, and um, security in their sucking up to power and into the apparatus, the state apparatus and the corporate apparatus and the security that that offers this layer? Um, and I think, you know, Kenny, we're, that's not really the layer we're fighting against. Like, that's just, that's a section of the either middle class or even sections of the working class that have just, you know, bought, bought a capitalist narrative and are going to be used as foot soldiers, ideological foot soldiers. Cause a lot of these people in an actual fight, I think they'd be like, nah, no, 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 no. Bring the police in. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Um, uh, I, I do come back to Ottawa uh, to think when I think about the truckers who occupied, they didn't say we're making an argument. They had a point. They were doing it for a reason, but they said, we're going to go to Ottawa and occupy Ottawa. And then let's have the discussion. Um, so I do think it's going to be an action and a collective action of resistance to something that will allow us to get a hearing. Um, but I don't think it will be, a, it's not a reasoning. It is a fight ultimately that is going to have to be had. Um, and there is ultimately no reasoning with the position that is on the other side because they're lying about their reasons. Um, so, of course, you can't argue with their thing because it's, it ha makes no sense because it's not really what they're doing. What they're really doing is about wealth transfer, is about profits, is about building a surveillance and data infrastructure that secures that profit future even more so in a, in a, under a 
under a regime where it seemed previously very much at risk. So that's, that's what I see going on. And that's what I see the left cheerleading. And that's what I see many people who think that this is about safety from COVID and therefore we need to be vaccinated, basically uh, saying, okay, go do this, you know, because they have no idea, like they're looking at that one thing and the other thing is what's happening. So I think you're right, Kenny, to try to change the conversation, but I ultimately, I don't, I feel like Ottawa proves that it's not, and the Indian farmers prove it, it's not something we're going to win by argumentation, although discussion is going to be part of us getting people to our side. We're, it's, at a, it's at some point we'll have to figure out a way of, of, of gathering enough people at a place where our, where our occupation or where our presence um, is a real problem for the other side, and then they're going to have to threaten us with taking away our income, shit like that. That's what's going to happen. I just want to say that, I, like, I don't mean to have an argument with like the ruling class, right? But I think us are going to have to understand things differently, right? And I think that's where probably people like us come in into like, I don't think we can stop this shit from taking steps forward, right? Like we talked in the last, you know, I don't think it will fully materialize, but it, if it takes step forward, it's going to create massive risk ripples. And so. At this point, what I see is like people that are are have been brought into this, you know, they probably started just resisting, but they've learned about digital ID. They've learned about, um, you know, uh, the COVID passes, the vaccine, all these relationships, right? Blockchain and uh, the internet of things. Um, we are gonna have to have an answer when shit starts happening. You know, like when people don't understand some shit that's happened. And I, I, that's what I wonder, you know, um, because like we will have to understand things differently. We've talked about that, you know, like one thing is to resist, another one is to push back. And, and I do think personally that to push back, we're going to have to understand what we're fighting, right? It's not, it's not just a, like this short term thing, you know, it, it's a massive evolution of a monster. And, and, and so that's why I think, you know, it's, it's a conversation among us, you know, the, the people who are willing to resist and push back. Um, and, you know, and obviously we need more friends, you know, and, and hopefully that's, that's where the answers come in, right? When people have questions about what the hell is happening to their personal lives, probably, you know, it's having that explanation that makes sense, more sense than the other bullshit that, you know, like leaves them with a lot of contradictions. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I think about, I mean, I'm obviously concerned for our well-being in the coming days, months, years. But since this is such a long-term project, you know, they set these things out, whatever, Agenda 2020, Agenda 2030, they're thinking in decades a lot of the time. Um is just the like the capture of the youth and how it feels like in the long term there's going to be fewer and fewer of us because I mean even if they dropped all mandates everywhere today I still think just the psychological damage that they've done to children and young people I mean it, it's going to take years and years to undo and so it really concerns me thinking about like who's going to be in charge in 15 years, like in my, 
you know, if I have children, my children's generation, like, what is that going to look like? And, and how, like, like you said, we need more friends, but I feel like we're going to go, we're going to go the other way. Like we're going to be the old like Luddites that are just, you know, best case scenario, just kind of like boxed out of the system. And obviously worst case scenario could look like a lot of bad stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not feeling super optimistic. Like I know Andy, you said there's going to have to be a, a fight. Like, do you think there will be? <laughs> yes, but it does matter what lessons it draws. Like the Ottawa lesson, the Ottawa, in Ottawa, there was a fight. And I think it, people have drawn some lessons. And I think people learned something about the state. Um, and I think other people did. And that's meaningful, even in the context of what I would call a defeat. Um, but uh, there will have to be. I don't, I just don't know. I'm not seeing it around me right now. And will there be? There will be, but will it be enough? Will it, will, will we, will we learn the lessons out of that? Cause we're not going to win the first time. Like, will we learn the lessons? Um, I don't know. I'm pessimistic. I'm pessimistic on the future. I think I'm betting if I, if I had a bunch of money and I was on a spaceship, I'm putting almost all my money on world war three on everything going down. Um, that's what I think is the outcome. And in our future, I agree with you, Jessica. I'm I'm concerned about the future of the generation coming up. And I think that future is there for people like Miles Hagopian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, there's a lot of people in the U.S. who have been living relatively normal this whole time. I just had a friend pass through um, from Arizona heading, heading to Seattle and he said it's it's completely normal there. Like kids aren't really wearing masks. They have another friend who's visiting Idaho right now, where I am. Like outside the schools and the healthcare places, it's it's pretty normal. And I, I mean, I'm glad not everywhere is like San Francisco and Seattle, of course. But I suppose also, you know, if you're if you're doing fine, you're not gonna put your head on the chopping block, right? So we'll have to see in terms of how sort of quickly the enclosure moves in, in terms of like those sorts of populations. Yeah. You know, and like, like you said, Jessica, if you drop all the mandates, all this stuff, you know, like, like I have a coworker who's 17. He's like first job and he talks to me about, he confides in me and he showed me his grades the other day and he already has a platform with all his information. You know, like a, a digital platform, and so that shit has been here. You know, it's it's already here. That shit that we're talking about, that you know, one kids and and then like two days later, two like my coworker who's like twenty four uh, and doesn't engage in any of this political stuff. He's, he's an artist. Uh, he was talking to customers and the uh, checking for the vaccination because they had to, you know, mandate. And the customers were uh, mid twenties as well, and they were annoyed at why we didn't have digital IDs in our wallets in our iPhones. And so, yeah, it, it's scary. Like you know, we're probably just old people that are just you know because I, I don't I don't I don't know if there's like I don't know what the sense is in young people, you know, because ultimately is you know like you said, there's some they factor out, uh, us out of it, but. 
I don't think there's much sense of like this is like what's the big deal with this? It's already been in their lives. I did have one positive experience. I agree, but I did have one positive experience yesterday with one of my classes. We had a like an event, um, discussion event in the library at our at our university. And I think I told you guys in the last episode or when we were talking to Allison that my library is one of many libraries in the country who have recently purchased a whole bunch of VR headsets and they're doing all these like cool whatever history exhibits and stuff. And they had the librarians had like set up the VR so that we could look at uh, the town that the novel we were discussing uh, was based on and like go like walk down the street or whatever. And so we did the event and then, you know, we wrapped up and they, the librarians were like there, like clearly sort of like waiting and they had prepared and everything. And so, you know, I sort of said, and they said, like, if anyone wants to check out the, you know, the, the VR stuff, like go for it. Um, and only one student was willing to put it on. A lot of them said they had it like on the, you know, how you can have it on the screen. So you're kind of like, you're not watching it in virtual reality, but you're watching what they're watching. And a lot of them were just like, oh, like this just makes me feel sick. And and one kid goes, I fucking hate Zuckerberg and just marches out. And I was like, all right, maybe there's hope. Maybe there's hope. But that's my, those are my best students. So <laughs> I don't know that they're representative, but. Yeah. You've got to their brains already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you messed with them. Um, that is a, yeah, that, that is what we have to hope is there. My brother also believes he's in Texas. He believes there's there is a a underbelly of massive anger at people who have been um, who've taken the shot, maybe even taken a second shot or a third, and did it without really agreeing to it. And he believes that if if it does turn out that people are getting sicker, he says those people are not going to buy the the statement of oh that's something else that's uh, the you said your reason for a heart attack is you're setting your alarm too early or because of global warming or because well young people just get heart attacks now um and he thinks that you know things like that like some of the health problems that people develop he thinks are going to are going to turn into something else um i hope he's right but i'm not sure yeah i also want the the whole hiv thing I don't know, maybe at some point we'll have to talk about that, but it's a lot of fear mongering there. And I, I wonder if they're going to pull out some whatever vaccine or something's going on with that. Um, yep. There's going to be a lot of just health fear mongering and control of people's bodies. I think coming down the line, like COVID or no COVID. Yep. You know, I guess, um, Kenny, is there anything else from you or Jessica? Hopefully we'll be more peppy next week when Eduardo gets back. <laughs> we can save our show. We're so yeah. depressed now. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, the, I think that the, the, the impact of what happened in Ottawa, the, my void spirits are, you know, it, it goes both ways, you know, so I feel the effect of what they've been able to do there. Yeah. And they were really, I mean, Canada was not pushing back at all and that moved really fast and they mobilized a lot of people. And I mean, I know a lot of them have been, you know, pushed out and they've got checkpoints all over the city and they were arresting people, no bail and stuff. But 
I don't know. I mean, from what I hear, some of them are regrouping and they're not just like giving up. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm putting, I'm betting on the, the people that are not vaccinated in the global South <laughs> to racing for, you know, because again, we're, we're focusing on the global North who's yep. by and large pushed these narrative and these mandates and these forceful <clears throat> shit. Not that it's not happening out there. Right. And there is no levels of like, it, it's gotten into people's head, but again, historically too, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Like, I guess I, I tried to leave this country once before, <laughs> you know, when the, and at the time I didn't think the, sh the ship was uh, sinking. <laughs> I remember we had this conversation with Lipson, but, yeah. but now it's like, this is shit scary. Like, it's yeah. just, it's just scary to be surrounded by stuff, but. Yeah. We'll yep. On the positive note, it looks like Iceland is opening itself up which means that was our um, honeymoon destination that looked foreclosed to us. So now we might be able to get there. So I think everything's looking roses now. <laughs> what are we talking about, right? <laughs> it's difficult for us. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if we can pull it off. All right. Well, Kenny, thanks for the idea. And I'm, I, I'm actually glad we discussed this because it got me thinking. Um, all right. That does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast there and connect with us. I remind people, if you like anything you hear, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our eight, no, to any of our nine platforms Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Telegram, or Rumble. Uh, if you'd like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. So until then, um, Jessica, thanks once again. Kenny, great job, good subject. And uh, I guess we'll be back next week. Bye, guys.